If you're interested in hearing reviews about Netflix original shows with happy endings, then you'd better stop watching and listening right now because I'll be reviewing Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events in this episode of Dispop. Dispop is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect vacation. Be sure to visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, hello, everybody. I am your host, Rhino Clab, and welcome to the show. Today, we are talking about Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, the newest Netflix original show based on the series of books and starring one Mr. Neil Patrick Harris. I, I know a bunch of you out there had asked about specifically doing this. I mean, I'm a fan. I was looking forward to this show, so I'm happy to do this, and and I'm glad that others out there like you, like me, others out there are like me, and enjoy this. So, um, so I'm going to give you a little background on the the books, the series, who's involved, all that stuff, and then I'll get into kind of like some standout moments in the shows, and then my overall thoughts maybe toward the end. But um, generally speaking, I did enjoy the show. I um, so <clears throat> excuse me. So the show is eight episodes, um, and it is based on four the first four books in the 13-book series. So um, the, the book series, A Series of Unfortunate Events, is a series of 13 children's novels by Lemony Snicket. I'm paraphrasing from Wikipedia here. Uh, the series is narrated by Snicket, um, who dedicates each of his works to his love interest, Beatrice, and often attempts to dissuade the reader from continuing the learning experience of the Baudelaire's story. Lemony Snicket is, in fact, the pen name of American author Daniel Handler. Um, So Lemony Snicket actually becomes a character within the stories as well. So it's very interesting. I really like that that aspect of it. But um, uh, the reason why I bring up the Beatrice thing is because every book has a different dedication, and it's kind of like a macabre dedication to Beatrice. Uh, but I, 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 I like it, and they kind of keep that going on the uh, the show as well, which is very true to these books, more or less. Well, we'll get into that. So the series follows the turbulent lives of Violet, Klaus, and Sonny Baudelaire after their parents' death in a fire. The children are placed in the custody of a murderous relative, Count Olaf, who attempts to steal their inheritance and later orchestrates numerous disasters with the help of his accomplices and henchmen as the children attempt to flee their clutches. So that's basically the setup for... At least the first three books, because that's what I read so far. Now, as the story progresses, the Baudelaire's gradually... To, ooh, you know what? I don't want to say that part, because um, that part's not in the book, so I'm going to leave that out. But, uh, well, actually, you know what? As the, I'm, I'll read this part. As the story progresses, the Baudelaire's gradually discover a deep background of secrets and conspiracies involving a secret society with connections to both Olaf and their parents. Now, this doesn't happen in the first three books, but it is in the movie, uh, the 2004 movie, I believe. Uh, excuse me if I have the year wrong, but the one starring Jim Carrey, and um, it does happen in the in the book uh, in the in the show. Excuse me, and we'll I'll get into that a little bit too. Um, so I had seen the Jim Carrey movie quite a bit, and I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I it was I felt like it was kind of unfortunate that it didn't continue on. My cousin, um, he was of age to be reading these books when they first came out, and. He was telling me how it's different, and they added stuff in, and now um, for the show, in preparation for the show, I was like, well, I'll read the books that the show is based on, at least this first season so far, and see if I like it, which I do. I do enjoy them. They're quick reads. Um, you know, they're, read, they're books you could read with your kids if you have them. I mean, if you're an adult, you're going to kind of speed through them, but they're, they're, they're very witty. They're clever, and they're described as kind of a gothic style, um, but... Um, 
that that tone, which I'll talk about more when we get to the show, um, is carried through into the show very well. Uh, but yeah, so so there's 13 books. I read the first three because Amazon was out of stock of the fourth book until next week on like the 25th or something, and then I couldn't find it in the stores anywhere. They only had the first three everywhere, and then random other ones after that. So um, I'm going to continue reading them, but for the sake of this, I only read the first three, so... Anyway, the, the original movie is only based on the first three books, and what the original movie does is it tells the story, the first part of the movie is the first half of the first book, and then it's the second and third book, and then the last part of the movie is the end of the first book. So that's how they did it in the movie. The show is eight episodes, and every two episodes are one book. So those four books that the uh, first season about is The Bad Beginning, The Reptile Room, The Wide Window, and The Miserable Mill. Um... So the series is produced by one Mr. Neil Patrick Harris uh, and Barry Sonnefeld. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he directed all three of the Men in Black movies. Um, if you're familiar with the TV show Pushing Daisies, that was his his show. Um, and Daniel Handler is also a producer who is Lemony Snicket. Um, they're an executive producing. Neil is a producer. There's a number of others involved as well, but I just want to talk about some of the notable people here. So the series is starring, like I said, Neil Patrick Harris's Count Olaf, the main antagonist. Um, Patrick Warburton is Lemony Snicket, who I believe, um, I'm sorry, I keep kicking my table, so if you're watching, it's getting shaky. <laughs> um, so Patrick Warburton, I think, was born to play the role of Lemony Snicket. He delivers the lines perfectly, and they're literally how I read them when, I hear, when I'm reading the book. That's like the voice I hear in my head. So this show is very, very well cast. Um, we also have... Uh, the three children who are played by um, Melina Weissman as Violet, Lewis Hines as Klaus, and Presley Smith as Little Baby Sunny. And uh, K. Todd Freeman is in every episode as well. He plays the banker, fortune caretaker, Mr. Poe. Uh, and he plays him differently than Timothy Spall does in the movie, which I enjoy. He makes it his own, and he plays it well. They, Like I said, again, everyone who pops up in the show is really, really good. Um Notable names in the music, too, because James Newton Howard, who did the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them soundtrack, as well as Hunger Games, amongst others, he did the music, the main theme, and he did, um, he says he's credited for five episodes of music, so, uh, but oddly enough, my favorite musical moments are in the last two episodes, which are done by a gentleman named Chris Bacon, is what it's spelled like, it might be Bacon, I don't know, but, um, he did the music for Bates Motel, Smash, and some other stuff, so, just interesting. It's not a cool, there's a lot of things to appreciate in here, especially like production design. So um, some notable special guests throughout the series are Will Arnett and Kobe Smulders. That was a surprise. Um, Don Johnson, Alfred Woodard, Catherine O'Hara, Joan Collins, Rice Darby, and others that you're going to recognize and be like, I know that person from this thing. So you're going to do a lot of IMDb searching while you're watching the show. Um, Barry Sonnefeld, who I talked about, was an executive producer, also directed four of the episodes. He directed the first two episodes, The Bad Beginning, and then The Wide Window, parts one and two. So that's episodes five and six. Um, and like I said, executive producer of the series. Um, and funny enough, I found out he is also the executive producer of the Enchanted sequel, Disenchanted, for Disney. So, interesting. Now, I did talk about production design. The movie, the show, these have a very distinct look and feel to them definitely accomplished by this production design and so Mary Sonnefeld I talked about Men in Black or Pushing Daisies this show feels like that it feels like the Adams Family which Barry Sonnefeld um, did so it, it it very much to me feels actually that's what it feels like it feels like an Adams Family TV show um, and um, the, the gentleman who directed 
two other episodes, Bo Welch, he was actually the production designer of all the episodes, and he was the production designer of Beetlejuice, Men in Black. And so, like, it's clear why this show looks and feels like it does. Now, the other gentleman, Mark Polanski, who directed The Reptiles Room Parts 1 and 2, those are actually my least favorite episodes, but it's fine. No big deal. Um, there's um, So immediately you start watching the show, there's a fun theme song um, sung by Neil Patrick Harris, of course. It's it's like, I, I believe if you gave it a title, it'd be called Look Away. Um, but it's it, it kind of opens the same way how the narrator always implores you to stop reading, close the book, go look at something more happy and joyful. Um, it's the same with the theme song. It's like, look away. This is a terrible thing. Don't watch it. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you. I don't want to ruin your lives. Um, but the what's kind of neat is the lyrics change to reflect the subject of the episode. I like this and I don't. I like it. Because I, I think it's cool that they took time to change it for each episode. However, it, it does get semi-minor spoilish, spoiler-ish. So, like, I don't know. Like I said, the the only thing of this series that's been adapted before were the first three books in the movie. So it's not until you get to the Miserable Mill, which are the seventh and eighth episodes, that you really are seeing things you haven't seen before. If you've seen the movie and haven't read the books. Um, or for me, I hadn't read that book either. So it was the first unknown territory. Um... So, I don't know. That's maybe where I felt like it got a little spoilerish, but whatever. It's just telling you the plot of the episode. It's like kids shows in the 90s used to do that at the beginning. Like, today on Power Rangers, can Trini and Kimberly fight this flower? I don't know. Um, I do know. I'm just being modest. But, um, so, I just want to go into some notes I made here. And I kind of, I'm going to go more or less in the order of the series. I might not say like, oh, I'll say what episode it's from I'm talking about. But just kind of overall notes I made. Um, And uh, impressions that I had while I watched it. So I enjoyed the theme song. Um, Like I said, immediately when you watch the first episode, the tone and the style of this thing are established. So if you do not care for the beginning, you're probably not going to like the rest of the series. I will say, though... um, for the first six episodes, like I said, that are kind of like stuff that's been covered before. Not exactly like this. I mean, it looks different. And the movie did take liberties. It doesn't end the same way the book did and stuff. And this the show's different from the books as well in, in some ways. Like, I feel like it's expanding and bringing around elements that don't show up until later in the books, earlier on, to keep people hooked. But 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 it, but anyway, um, you're, you're, um, it keeps... It, as you watch, you're going to notice it really does a good job of keeping that kind of humorous tone of the books while, like I said, expanding on it at the same time. In the first, like, for example, in the first episode, there's a scene with the Baudelaire's at the beach, and, and it's describing their characteristics. You know, Sonny likes to bite stuff. Um, Klaus uh, reads a lot. Violet, she invents things, and it talks about how she takes a hair ribbon out and puts, puts up her hair. Uh, to to think about inventions. So in the book, she's just thinking about it, but in the show, you kind of get to see an invention she has where she picks up stones out of the water. So I thought that was that was interesting. They were really kind of pushing that aspect of the the kids' personalities there, um, and um, you kind of get some added stuff that, that you know dialogue. Obviously, it's not in the book. They're short books. They're like two three hundred pages, and um, but it, it keeps that morbid sense of humor going. And it's it's I mean it's blended really well. And like I said, it's uh uh Lemony Snicket himself there, Daniel Handler, he worked on this show, so it's kinda like I trust everything that's being said that is is true to the vision of the books, you know. Um so 
I, like I said, similar look to the movie, but it stands on its own. Um, I really like how they have the narrator in the show. In the movie, he's kind of very separate. You never see him. He's always in shadows. In the book, um, he's, you know, an ominous... He's telling us the story, you know, and he's telling us how he gathered the information every now and then, and you kind of feel like he's on the run from somebody as well. Um, but I like how in the show, he's kind of walks in and out of the scenes. Like, nobody sees him, but he's, he's telling us the scene, and I think they did this really, really well and very interestingly. Um, and there's kind of like little hints and suggestions that are maybe foreshadowing for future events. I mean, some that are blatantly are, obviously, but then others where I'm like, eh. There's a lot of, um, in the book, there's a lot of these, like, what the saying means and then like how some things can be misnomers and 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 th- things like that like fun there's a lot of fun wordplay with situational wordplay as well and in and that's carried through very well into the show you know very visually they do the same the same thing um but uh so I'll, I'm, I'll start at the first episode just kind of go through roll through my my notes i took here um uh, so one thing that was that was different than the books that was in the movie as well is Klaus, when they go to the parents' burned-down house, he finds a spyglass, and that same thing happened in the movie, and it's not in the book. And they don't even talk about these spyglasses for at least the thir- first three books, because that's, that's all I know. Um, but I did try and read a little bit, without ruining the experience for myself, that uh, apparently the fifth book, five, not four, like I just held up, is where the series does start to allude more to that stuff. And so I think, like I said, in the show and the movie, they just kind of pull that stuff earlier on um, to hook you in a little more. And also, you know, it gives extra meaning. There's fun stuff. There's some, there's like extra backstory to, to some characters like Mr. Poe's wife. She works for a newspaper that never brought up in the book, at least so far for me. So she's got kind of a motivation all these other characters and motivations that Mr. Poe's secretary is part of the secret society that's kind of involved with the parents or the kids somehow. Um, you get to see Gustav. Um, and for those of you who are familiar with the material, the source material, he was Uncle Monty from the Reptile Room, the second episode. It was his original assistant that we never really meet in the book, but you meet him in the first episode, but he still, his character meets what happens to him in the book too. So it was kind of an interesting. I really liked that. I really liked it. So, um, um, let me see here. There's a lot of illusions where Lemony Snicket talks about meeting Olaf as a young man, and I haven't gotten to that part in the book yet either. But that, by the end, they also bring that up again. So that's that's important. It's clear that the parents, Olaf, and all these characters we meet were involved at one time or another in something. There's the society. It's very blatant in this, whereas there is not a whisper of it in the book thus far, other than like secret messages and stuff every now and then. But, um, I like how the, the kind of added stuff almost pokes fun at the ridiculous, uh, the ridiculousness of the books, like the Justice Strauss character, um, who's played by Joan Collins. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry. I said Joan Collins. My God, I, I apologize. It's Joan Cusack. Oh my God. What a big mistake. Um, but, uh, she plays Justice Strauss who in the movie was played by Catherine O'Hara who plays a villain this time around, which is fun. So, um, but the, the justice, justice Strauss character talks about how she's like a lonely old woman invested in someone else's kids and how it might be kind of true. And then that's kind of like how it is in the book, but they never really acknowledge that. So they like, they poke fun at itself a little bit. Um, when you first meet Count Olaf, you are going to see that like Jim Carrey did a really good job of playing Count Olaf. In my opinion, Neil Patrick Harris also does a great job 
similar but distinctly different um, and funny and a really good character for Neil Patrick Harris, I think. It seems like he really, I don't know if he read the books to his kids or if he just really likes the series or something, but he is, he's excellent in this, in this, uh, in this series. So if you like him, I think it's a, it's a must watch for that must watch for that as well so they kind of keep the continuing theme going as well it's like parents don't listen to kids adults are like idiots for not listening to kids there's a fun little musical number in the first episode because of course we can't hear enough of mph singing um by the end of the series though there's also a musical number that closes it out that i wish they had done i wish they had kind of made done more of that so now i'm hoping the second season has a little bit more music going on because um there are oddly there's a lot of references to music throughout this series that aren't there in the book um and i don't care about things being different from the book i'm just doing this for any of you that are listening that might have read the book but um i do have some semi spoiler territory at the end of the first episode we're introduced to kobe smulders and will arnett's characters who follow who we kind of follow throughout the series in a in a scene here and there um, and I was worried that they had ruined something from the book for me and not necessarily the case. So there is a fun, oh, I don't think I want to use the word fun, but their story plays out well. Cause at first I was like, ah, that's kind of like annoying. But, um, the last episode it comes around and you're like, Ooh, it's good. It's good. Trust me. It's good. I don't want to say it because I don't want to ruin it because that is one of the bigger twists in the, in the, in the show. But um, but, uh, yeah, so they definitely are pushing this secret organization that's like the symbol of the eye. It's on the, it's on the spyglass. It's Count Olaf's tattoo. Um, I really appreciated, um, there's a, a flashback in the second scene that kind of shows how Olaf manipulated the system to get the kids to come to him. Because in the books, you're like, why are the parents terrible in sending their kids to live with this guy who's clearly like unstable? Um, so that's the first two episodes. Those are my impressions of those. Um, the reptile room, I, I like I said, it was, I liked the movie representation of the rec- reptile room better. Um, I do really enjoy Neil Patrick Harris's Stefano, the, the assistant in this episode. Uh, I will tell you, if you're watching the show, they don't shy away from him threatening the children to like kill them. So not in like a, not in a like utterly violent way, but in a very macabre like, oh whoops, I'll just happen to chop one of the kids' toes off or something like that sort of a way. Um, so I don't want you to think this is like it's not necessarily scary. It's like funny. That's like I said. I guess gothic is the perfect word to describe it, but I don't know. Um, it's good. Um. So another another change here in the second one, Monty talks about knowing the parents. That didn't really happen in the book. So they're really pushing that the parents knew all the people involved in here. Um, so they go and live with Monty. Some stuff happens. It's, it's the second episode of The Reptile Room is exactly like the book. The first episode uh, takes like kind of a divergence. So Monty is this... Um, this herbatologist uh he studies snakes and he's found this incredibly deadly viper that's actually an incredibly friendly snake but but he um named it that because he was messing with his colleagues who made fun of him because his name is monty monty or montgomery montgomery excuse me but um he is clearly part of the society he takes the kids in he brings them to movies he's a great caretaker he and then sadly 
he meets his demise. And I don't want to talk about the plots too much because you you'll you got to enjoy the episode. But that's pretty much the setup of the episodes. They meet a new caretaker, and somehow the caretaker is probably going to meet their end some way or another. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they don't all do that. But um, it's like I said, it's really like. The kids always know it's Count Olaf impersonating them, but the adults never listen. And they're like, kids, you're foolish. You're being foolish. You're like, just listen to the kids for crying out loud. Um, there's there's also throughout the series, there's a lot of fun nods to the episodes, like meta nods. So they talk about um, Count Olaf in this episode. He talks about how he doesn't want to go to the movies because he performs long-form television being consumed in the comfort of your own home and stares like directly into the camera. He also talks about that in the first episode. There's a lot of fun nods to this being on Netflix and stuff, but... Um, yeah, so there's some added stuff. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of fun scenes. Oh my gosh. I guess this is one that you kind of have to listen to this episode. You kind of have to watch or listen to after you've seen it a little bit, because I don't want to like tell you the plots because they're very involved, surprisingly very involved, enjoyable, but it'll, it'll kind of ruin it. So, um, Alfre Woodward in the third episode is their Aunt Josephine caretaker, she was great in the movie. It's played by Meryl Streep, also great. But Alfred Woodward, uh, she takes it in this kind of different direction. It's really, really good. You get your first hints of uh, Olaf uh, acknowledging he knew Lemony Snicket, and uh, he apparently thinks he's dead. But um, the kids finally start to learn. Uh, they find a book about secret organizations and Aunt Josephine's safe, but they lose it. And then they find, in the end, they find a picture of their parents at a mill. So when all's said and done, they have to go to this mill, and that's what brings them to the fourth episode. Um, yeah, and so that's that's pretty much the setup of the series there. And then they become, like, child laborers, laborers in this, like, crazy town that supposedly was burnt down by their parents. Um, so they kind of stick around to prove that their parents didn't do it or really to get to the bottom of whatever's going on there. And, of course, Camel Olaf's involved. There's some henchmen. Some things happen. Um... But yeah, so rather than keep talking about the differences between the book and the movie, the books and the movies, like I, I don't even mean that in a bad way. I, I, I'm just going to give you my overall thoughts now because I think that this did a really good job of being very true to the source material but also expanding on it and then also bringing in those notes that I'm assuming are happening later in the books earlier on. And it also – like whenever things do change from the book, they ultimately still end up meeting the book. So like the Reptile Room Part 1 where Monty – is trying to go to the secret organization for help, you know, and you think it's, oh, he's on to Olaf, and that's what it is, but he actually thinks that this guy, Stefano, works for the Herbertological Society, and he's trying to steal the snake, so that's where, that's what Monty thought in the book, so it's kind of like the first part of the episode takes this loop, but it meets back with the book um, for the end, so they, and they kind of, as far as I know, they all ultimately do that, um, and that's so. I think it's very enjoyable if you've read the books. If you know nothing about these and you've never seen the movie, you never whatever. I still think that you can enjoy it because it's fun. It's it's witty. It it reminds me very much of Wes Anderson films in sort of that pretentious tone, humorous pretentious tone. So I don't mean pretentious in a bad way. I just mean it in a, a very. It's a lot of visual wordplay uh, in the book. There's a lot of wordplay situational wordplay so whatever the word you know are we out of the woods yet and they're in the forest and and so the, the author will be like and out of the woods means this and, and the kids so what so, what violet actually means is if they're out of the forest because the children are certainly not out of the woods there's a lot of that stuff and it's it's really clever it's very clever um so i think like kids could enjoy it because they'll enjoy the orphans they'll like that kind of stuff but also it it 
like it's great for older viewers too because you know it's got that stimulation of that kind of language that's like snappy witty it just goes it goes it goes and um i don't know it's it's visually beautiful there are a couple moments where you like the special effects like but you know it's also the first season of a netflix original show um so the majority of it looks fantastic so i don't know what the budget was but it looks it's very well done the production value is is just it's it's on point so um one of the highlights for me too though of the uh, the guest stars that i talked about um in the fourth episode there's a really fun scene between uh don johnson who plays the owner of the mill sir and his partner charles who they're like oh your business partner who's played by uh rice darby by the way hilarious individual new zealand uh and uh they're actually like a couple and there's the really there's like this really fun like pullback to Lemmy Snicket who explains it really fast and then it pulls forward and I was like man that was a really awesome way of explaining this situation um, and the end of that episode is actually where the Will Arnett and Kobe Smulders storyline comes to fruition so just brace yourself when you get to that that's the um, miserable mill part one is the end of that one but there's also a song that they all do the entire cast of characters um, you know the ones who are in all the episodes sing. And at the finale, and it's it's really, really good, like I said before. But um, I also want to say that everyone who are playing that Count Olaf's henchmen in the books, it's like one or two henchmen here or there. They're all in the first episode, uh, the first book, but they're in all the episodes, and they're all stand out. They're, they're all great. The man with the hook's great. I really like the androgynous person. Um, the twins are good. It, everyone in it is, is very, very funny. It's very well cast, and it's like these... The little moments of this show make the show for me. Now, the kids themselves, they're okay. I kind of like the kids from the movie a little bit better. I know they took away Klaus's glasses, and I'm pretty sure they did that because that was when the Harry Potter movies were coming out, and they didn't want it to be like, whoa, we're trying to ride the Harry Potter train. But I don't know. You know, the kids aren't bad in here. I do enjoy the kids, too. By the end, you're like, okay, I like these kids quite a bit, you know? It takes a little bit of getting used to, I think, in the very beginning of the show, but give it some time. I'm going to give it a pretty high recommendation. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's a fun one. I think you can watch with everyone, the whole family, if you want. Um, and uh, another standout performance. Oh, before I go, before I'm done. Uh, Catherine O'Hara as um, Dr. Orwell, the uh, the evil, um, the word for eye doctor that I can't remember right now. Um, she played Justice Strauss in the movie. She's great as the, the, the bad, uh, the evil Dr. Orwell in this and, uh, the optometrist because the, the father always said he doesn't trust optimists and optometrists. Um, there's a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff. So, you know, check it out. I, I, I recommend it. Um, Neil Patrick Harris, phenomenal. Patrick Warburton, phenomenal. Everyone in this show's great. Production value is great. Story's fun. It's just, it's fun. It's a fun show. Um, but I'm curious if you guys have seen it yet, what your thoughts are. Let me know in the comments section below. Is there other shows that we want to watch and talk about? I want to hear about those. Comments on YouTube or, or tweet at us on Twitter at Dizpop Show. Um, all that stuff. I think that's everything I have to say about the show. Um, I'm sorry if it got a little boring in there when I was talking about the books versus the thing. I know that got a little detailed. Um, but, yeah, I like it. I would really recommend reading the books. Have any of you out there read the books? Because I'm curious what you think overall books versus show as well because i think it's like i said multiple times a fairly true adaptation um you know and and what's changed i don't have a problem you know so i am looking forward to reading the rest of the books and then for another season to come out as i'm sure this will get renewed because it was i know people were like super excited about it coming out um 
but yeah, let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you want to see. I think that's going to, uh, that's going to do it for me in this episode. Um, until next time, I'll see you guys later.